When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This year is your year, even if you also said that in 2022. And however you want to make a splash, Mother Nature can help you every step of the way with wool runner mizzles from Allbirds. Wool runner mizzles are shoes made from premium supernatural weather repellent materials. So you can jump into this year with both feet, rain or shine. The high top runners are made from temperature regulating, moisture wicking merino wool, treated with durable puddle guard technology to keep you dry and comfy. And you can take confident strides with supernatural rubber treads that grip for all condition traction and sugarcane based sweet foam midsoles that put a little bounce in each step. Allbirds is constantly innovating to increase the performance and longevity of their earth friendly materials. So even on your toughest outings, you'll wear out before your shoes do. This year, make a splash without worrying about getting your feet wet with Wool Runner Mizzles from Allbirds. Discover your perfect pair at Allbirds.com today. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Thanks for watching, everyone. My name is Sam Shansky, and right now I'm here with Amy Spies to talk a little bit about her new record, which will be coming out, called... Uh, it's called Me and the Ghost of Charlemagne. How's it going? Is, uh, you know, everything complete? Everything's done, yeah. It's just, you know, it's when you launch something into the world, you just take a deep breath and cross your fingers that people listen. So, yeah? Yeah. Are you feeling pretty good about it? I do. I love this record. And I don't ever, I mean, I'm not one that says that about my, even though I, I stand behind everything I've put out into the world, but this one, I think um, I'm in a certain place in my life where I can sit back and it's a little easier to love the things I do right now, I think. Feeling a little more in control, maybe? I think so, and I'm older, so, you know, that, that meter that we have in our heads that says, where am I, what's going on, mm -hmm. who's talking about me, who's not, is, I think it's the Facebook meter, it's kind of gone, uh -huh. yeah. And you've been doing this for a while, I mean, since the 90s? No, actually, um, I, my first record, which was really janky and self-produced okay. and nobody will ever hear it, is from 2002. Okay, okay. So I was signed to a record label in 2006. So that's really when my career started. That's when it started for you. Yeah. yeah. So what's changed since then? Oh, gosh. Um, I think my sound has changed. My, you know, um, my songwriting has grown. In what kind of way? Um... When I started out, I was living in New York City, and I was part of that sort of acoustic indie rock, we don't know what to call it, mm -hmm. um, scene that was happening in the Lower East Side. So I started playing at places called The Living Room or Shanae Cafe, and they were like amazing songwriters around me, but they didn't, um, I wouldn't say that the song was the prime thing in that, in that era in New York City. It was more like the look mm -hmm. or the vibe of the band. So I worked with a band and I had great players and I had great mentors. Um, I got signed by Judy Collins to a record label and she kind of brought me along the path of the folk singer-songwriter. So I think just the years of being steeped in 
people who really pay attention to songs and then as a songwriter kind of not caring anymore about you know the guitar solo but really mm -hmm. paying really close attention to the words has changed my music over the course of the whole career for people who might not know tell us who judy collins oh, is judy collins is um She's a singer and a songwriter from, and she's sort of an icon uh, from the late 60s folk movement. She mm -hmm. was actually signed to, I think it was Elektra Records um, in the early 60s as kind of uh, Elektra's answer to Joan Baez. So she came up and she was the first person to record Joni Mitchell's songs. Wow. She wow. made uh, Both Sides Now and Chelsea Morning hits. Um, she is the first person to ever, her, ever have heard Leonard Cohen. Um, wow. I, he wrote Suzanne in her living room, I guess, and um, she championed a lot of people. And so she had this beautiful career that kind of went a little bit away from folk, and she started just choosing um, songs that were just written by great writers from the theater as well as from pop. So she covered the Beatles, and she covered Bertolt Brecht, mm -hmm. and she covered uh, Stephen Sondheim. She made um, Send in the Clowns, which is from a musical. She made that a huge pop hit in the 70s. So she's a really influential person in my life in terms of just being, um, you know, encouraging me to have bravery in terms of being genre-less. Um, and she's still out there. I think she's, I want to say she's 80 wow. or maybe 78, but she's still touring all the time. And you had a theater background as well, right? Yeah. yeah. So that connection makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Were you working in theater at the time that you met her? Um, yeah, I was still kind of straddling both worlds as trying to figure out how to do this musician mm -hmm. thing. Um, and also, um, I had a theater company in New York City that I was um, part artistic director of with a few other partners. We were doing new works of plays that um, would speak to that neighborhood, so it was Lower East Side. Mm -hmm. um, and then also I was working with some um, guerrilla Shakespeare companies and doing some regional theater. So yeah, I had gone to college and then I went to graduate, well, school after college. I <laughs> sometimes say graduate school and I have to stop myself from saying it because it's not like, it, it was a conservatory program that I did after college for acting. I see. So what was your favorite Shakespeare? Oh gosh, um, my favorite is, uh, it changes. It okay. used to be King Lear. Oh. Um, and um, it's funny because my father is 82 and that was my favorite work, but now that my dad is kind of in that time, it's a little painful to watch. Um, I think Henry V is probably my all-time favorite Shakespeare. Was your father an actor as well? No, not at all. Oh. My father was a salesman. Oh, wow. Yeah, but he's very dramatic. What did he sell? Um, various things. Like, he started in a company selling, like, uh, ceiling products and then window blinds. My dad is an Eagle Scout. That's yeah. like, if somebody had to say, what is your dad? I'd say my dad is an Eagle Scout. But probably still wasn't prepared to have a daughter. Uh, no, I was his first. He was a little like, what? <laughs> Who are you? Yeah. That's interesting. So where does the musical bug come from then? Well, my grandmother, my mom's mother, is very artistic without ever really pursuing a path of art. Mm -hmm. um, but when I was really young, my mom and my dad had four kids in, in four years. Wow. Um, and my father was away all the time because he was a salesman. My mom was young, and so she lived near my grandmother, and she was sort of foist me and my sister off of my grandmother where she was, she was taking care of the twins. And my grandmother just was one of those imaginative, mm -hmm. like incredible women who loved literature and loved Shakespeare. Her favorite character was Portia, so she would always speak the Merchant of Venice to me and um, always spoke 
to me of reading Proust. She would always say things in this thick Boston accent, like, you must read Proust in the original French before you die. And um, Wait, that wasn't a thick Boston accent. No, I can't do it. I'm not going to do a thick All Boston right. accent. I never lived in Boston. It would okay. sound silly. Well, I thought you were an actress. <laughs> that <so>. was <laughs> not a Boston accent. Okay, okay. But anyway, she, she bought me my first piano. And when I was five, she, gave, um, she paid for my piano lessons. And then when I was in my 20s and I wanted to start guitar, she gave me a guitar and just always encouraged my writing. So as a kid, I was always really into writing. I'd write plays, I'd write poetry, I'd write stories, and I'd give them to my, my grandmother, Roro, and she'd read them, and we'd wow. act them out together. So. And that was in Boston? or? No, no, I grew up in like a bunch of different places. I was born in Baltimore. In Baltimore? Yeah. How did that influence your, your music today, you think? I wouldn't say Baltimore. I don't think, I'm not, like, I, I'm sort of jealous of songwriters who have a regional. Yeah, that can um, affect their sound in some. Yeah, it's like you know an Indiana writer. Yeah. You know somebody who grew They're up in the South. It. Yeah. I think um, because I moved around a lot as a kid, mm -hmm. um, and then I went to school in New York City after going to college in Massachusetts, I feel like my music isn't landscape-driven. I see. It's more internal landscape-driven, so. Well, back to the, you know, the record. Um, yeah. Who did you work with on this record and collaborate with? Um, well, I, Nielsen Hubbard produced it, and Nielsen has produced pretty much all my records since 2009. Okay. Since I moved to Nashville, he's the person that I work with. He's a great songwriter, great player, as well as a great producer. Um, and so we really worked closely on this one because we wanted to do it um, as spare as we could. And then we brought in pretty much the people that play on my records usually, mm -hmm. which is Eamon McLaughlin did um, violin, and David Henry did the cello. Will Kimbrough played the guitars. Um, Dean Merrill played the bass. And uh, so, yeah. It's a great lineup. Yeah, I love those guys. They've played on the last three of my records, so it's real easy. It's, there's a shorthand with us. I just play the songs, and they play what's right. Mm -hmm. Oh, and Danny, um, Danny Mitchell played piano, except for the track, Me and the Ghost of Charlemagne. And he did the string arrangement, and he's just a genius. So balancing being a new mother, right, <laughs> uh, at, with still writing songs and everything. Um, yeah. I'm interested in what you would describe as some of the the themes on the record. Yeah, it's funny because I wrote these songs either before I knew I was going to have oh, really? Huck mm -hmm. or during that pregnancy. And Nielsen and I, I, when I wrote Me and the Ghost of Charlemagne, which was a song I wrote when I was I was on the road and I was uh, doing an, a European tour. Mm -hmm. It was the spring of 2017. And I was doing the European tour and I knew I was coming home to start the process to have Huck. He was born by IVF, so there's a whole medical process with that. And I knew that was gonna start. And so I was out there by myself and I started writing that song when I was in the town of Aachen, Germany, which is where Charlemagne was born and died. Oh. And so the whole idea of having this sort of voice of somebody who was trying to reach something great um, and really all that's left of him are these bones in this cathedral in this little town that I'm just gonna go in for one night and leave. Um, I started thinking about the idea of the dreams that we all have when we're kids. And then when we're in our 20s and 30s and we think that the sky is shiny and we can get that, you know, the, gold, the golden ticket, you know. Um, and then there's a period of time, I think, that sort of the deepening of the soul when, and people come to it at different, you know, different places, but when you kind of go, you know what, the golden ticket, it's just a piece of paper mm -hmm. that somebody said is gold. And what if there's nothing to shoot for. What if actually what you're shooting for is just being exactly where you are at the moment? And so I'd say that was the theme. And I think anybody going through that transition from living your life just for yourself to having a baby coming along and having to live your life for somebody else, 
and being an ambitious, creative, I want to write songs, maybe I want to be a rock star, but now I have a baby coming. Mm-hmm. Um, all that stuff was in my head, and these songs come from, I think, the voices of people who are reckoning with the idea of the dream. So uh, my son's name is Huckleberry, and I kind of feel like he's completely infused in this record. Wow. So living in Nashville, you um, are known to host get-togethers oh, yeah. at your house, right? Yeah. And so he's around that and sees that. Oh, yeah. And my husband's a musician, too. So my husband's a bluegrass player. And so he'll see my husband's friends come over and play a bunch of covers mm-hmm. and just jam out to old-time music. And then he sees my friends and the people that I know come over and sing these very you know intricate folk songs. And so it's, it's both. In fact, we have a routine in the morning when he wakes up. The first thing we do is we put on... Um, we put on Ralph Stanley oh, wow. and, uh, in the morning or the Leuven Brothers or something like that. And my son just dances around. So my husband's determined that he's going to listen to that music before he listens to my music. <laughs> I see a family band in the future. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Let him be an accountant. <laughs> yeah. You take your, uh, your music, aside from your shows and everything, you take uh, your music on the road to do workshops at festivals. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. What's I was, that like? Well, it's fun. I, I started teaching about, you know, 15 years ago, and it was a kind of a fluke. I was playing a festival. They had a song school, and they asked if I would teach a class on performance because they knew I came mm-hmm. from a theater background. You know, could you, tomorrow, could you start and do this five-day performance class? And I said, yeah, let me give it a shot. And I sort of pulled in my acting tools and what I did when I directed a play, and I put it on top of a singer-songwriter with a guitar in front of them singing their own song, and I realized it was the same it's pretty much the same tool. It's kind of how to stop acting, mm-hmm. um, how to stop trying so hard. It's really, I'd say, <laughs> the mission that I, you know. And so then I started, you know, bouncing around different festivals. And honestly, it's one of the, it's it's one of the best gifts that I've had from this performance career is um, getting to help other people and and you know let them know what I see in them. You know, because I had the luck of that. I had somebody say to me early on, "Yes, I see what you're doing, and let me bring you along." So um, I think teaching at festivals, you know, and teaching at song schools, and teaching songwriting and performance, and you know, it helps me be able to give that back. That's important. Yeah, I love that. I mean, gosh. And then I just, there's this this uh, girl that I taught since she was eight years old. She'd come to Colorado to the song school. She's a mandolin and a guitar prodigy. And now she's at Berklee College of Music. And, I mean, she's a force. Yeah. So. Wow. Well, being that we're in Memphis, I wanted to hear a little bit about your connection to Sid Selvage. Oh, oh my God. I love Sid so much. Um, I was doing the Folk Alliance conferences that were here right. in Memphis when they were here. And I was working with uh, a label out of Nashville called 30 Tigers. Mm-hmm. And Amy LeVere was on that label. And we were both managed by the same person. And Amy was playing with Steve Selvage. And so I was kind of hanging around watching them. I thought they were wonderful. And Steve's father, Sid, was at the Folk Alliance. And so. We got introduced, and we just had a lovely chat. I thought he was a really nice man. Didn't know anything about him. And he came into one of my showcases and heard me sing. And about six months later, I got a call saying that Sid was going to do a record, um, that he wanted to do a record of duets with a female voice, and he really wanted to do it with me. And would I be interested? And I loved him. And since then, I had figured out who he was, and I listened to his music. And so um, in 2010, he released his last record, I Should Be Blue. Um, that was uh, a collaboration. We chose the songs together. He covered one of my songs. Um, Don Dixon produced it. And so I spent that summer uh, touring 
touring the country with Sid, and it was when he discovered that he had um, cancer, so we had to cancel a few of those shows, and um, yeah, I miss him so much. Um, he was really, he was kind of like one of the, you know, one of the angels in my life who came along, and he was great. So I got to spend a lot of time in Memphis. He took me on a tour of all the barbecues. <laughs> I did the Levitt band shell uh, with him. I also did, um, randomly, completely differently, I did some of the big star tribute shows. Oh, you did? Yep. And so I know Jody and mm -hmm. the whole, and so I got to know a lot of the crew in, in Memphis, and I just love it here. I, I heard that on a similar connection that um, a fellow that I believe was connected to the shell, David Leonard, uh, mm, yeah. who shot film over there, is yeah. going to be producing an Alex Chilton-based documentary, oh, and he's, wow. he's working on fundraising that right now. So That's cool. It's kind of a tie-in there. Yeah, I haven't seen, there's a big star documentary that I haven't watched yet mm -hmm. that I hear you know, is great, and I really want to listen to it and see it. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah, it is. I mean, Memphis, you guys are, like, pretty deep. There's, I remember when I was trying yeah. to move from New York City to the south, uh, Ray Wiley Hubbard was trying to convince me to move to Wimberley, and Amy <laughs> LeVere uh, was trying to convince me to move to Memphis. So, yeah. Well, I went to Nashville met in the middle, yeah, yeah, or somewhere up there, yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, so what are you excited about, you know, in 2019 and 2020 coming up for your, you know, new record push and everything? Well, I haven't been on the road for a couple of years because of having the baby. So right. it's going to be fun to get, you know, to just get out on the road again. It's a little challenging, like logistically, mm -hmm. when he comes with me and when he doesn't. But I'm excited because it's been my last solo record was 2015. Been so a few it's years. it's been a couple of years since I've been out there, like on a regular basis. So yeah. are you nervous getting back at it? No, no. I'm just more like I can't wait because yeah. I've played some of these songs out at some shows. I've done things here and there and just um, felt really connected to the songs and, and gotten some good feedback. So I'm excited to just see where it lands. Um, yeah. And I, you know, at the same time, I'm really excited to watch my son grow up in this musical world of right. possibility. So lots of possibilities. Yeah. Totally. I'm excited for you. Thank you, Sam. Thanks for being here today, Amy. Oh, thanks for having me. All right. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. 
and why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.